The Brandon Peters Show may contain explicit language and detailed plot points. For more information on the show, stay tuned to the end of the episode. to another edition of the Brandon Peters Show. Today we have a discussion of 1971's Let's Scare Jessica to Death for You. And returning to the show to discuss the film, one of our very favorite guests, writer Jamie Alvey. Hello, and thank you for having me once more. It's always always a pleasure, and this is always the highlight of my week every time I do it. There you go. This is your hat trick episode. This is number three, I believe. This is three. This is three. This means you're here. You're here, and you'll you know you passed test one, test two, test three is like okay, crowned. I'm I'm here to stay. Here to stay. <laughs> here to stay. You got you got your Letterman jacket or your was it Players Club jacket? Is that what it's called? I think it, it like the members only jacket. Members only jacket. Yeah. So when I, when my fortieth birthday, like my <laughs> sister said, did you get? Did they give you the members only jacket? I'm like, that's at fifty. You get the handshake at forty in the fifties when you get that jacket. <laughs> so, but the members the members only jacket. Uh, how have you been? It's a new year, new you. First time, first your first appearance of 2022. It is. I've. I've been okay, you know, just dealing with residual anxiety from 2021, but, you know, going into a lot of big projects at mm-hmm. work and all that stuff and planning out like big stuff for this next year and figuring out what I'm going to finish and what I'm going to start and edit. And it's, it's been just pretty much a planning period, but we're off to a good start. We're off to a really good start. So. Good. Have you have you written out your hashtag goals for 2022 yet? I've not really written them out, but I I have I have my plans. Like I've made my list of stuff that I'm gonna finish, stuff that I'm gonna start. Okay. Finish because mostly that's that's where I'm at. I'm like 84 pages in on a screenplay right now. Oh. Winding it down, and it is. In my, it's one of my most favorite things I've ever written, and I cannot wait to share that with everybody. So Excellent. <laughs> I'm excited. Excellent. Look forward to hearing more about that when the time comes around. Cool, cool, cool. Uh, well, uh, we are. Let's see. We talked about we've when you've been on. We've talked about low budget horror from like the year 2011. Was it so far? So we're gonna go back 40 years yeah. to. Low budget horror from 1971 today, so it's fitting, right? It is. It fitting. really is. Good. We're going to we're doing. Let's scare Jessica to death. I'm calling on all the spirits of everyone who's ever died in this house. Paramount Pictures presents Let's Scare Jessica to Death. Jessica, Jessica, who are you? Why have you been following me? I'm in your butt. You want to die? Go on. You want to die? Let's scare Jessica to death. 
there. The screen has captured cold, deadly horror before. But this time it's all turned loose in your direction. It's directed by John D. Hancock, written by Hancock along with Lee Calcium, and it's not official, official, and it's considered loosely adapted from the story Camilla by Sheridan Lafanu, but we'll get to that in a sec. I would agree, being familiar with Camilla, but actually really recently familiar with Camilla, we'll get to that. It's starring Zora Lampert, Barton Heyman, Kevin O'Connor, and Mary Claire Costello. All your faves. Everybody goes Everybody. to their their new movies all the time. Highlights. It's about a recently institutionalized woman has bizarre experiences after moving into a supposedly haunted country farmhouse and fears she may be losing her sanity once again. All right, so... You brought you. I said, "What do you want to talk about?" And you said, "Let's scare Jessica to death." I said, "I really would like to keep her as my MC on this show." And you said, "No, the movie." And I said, "Oh, I like that one." So, <laughs> but yeah, so you brought this. I like this movie. And I was when you said that, I was like, "This is a movie I've wanted to talk about." Um, Good. So yeah. I was. It was like, job, awesome. I didn't have to go like, "Let's hold on." I was like, "Yes, let's scare Jessica to death." And I'm gonna probably run that phrase to the ground by the end of this but we're doing it how what was the first time you, you saw this movie and nobody's gonna believe this but i was like 13 14 years old when i first watched <laughs> so four years ago no yeah <laughs> i wish it's like i just turned 28 last year and me trying to think like how old how old am i it's like it's been about 14 years since i since i first watched that now i'm like Really? <laughs> it doesn't seem that long ago in the scheme of things, but it's it's been a while. I first watched that as a young, young teenager, mm-hmm. just you know, starting to get into horror and getting into just some kind of just watching weird stuff. Gotcha. Uh, so that's how that happened. Gotcha. I, I honestly, I did not see it until... The Shout Factory, Scream Factory Blu-ray of this one came out, geez, two years ago. So I've only I'm only two years with this movie, but I do remember it from my video store days. This was like one on the shelf that I'm like, huh, that's a title. And the old poster and stuff, and I just never rented it. I don't know why. Um I thought I think maybe I thought the title was a bit much, but now I'm like into titles like that. Cause this was originally called just Jessica. <laughs> Yeah. And they're like a Paramount because while this is a Paramount film, every this is like the first Friday the 13th movie where they just made their movie and then found a distributor later. And it yeah. was like a super cheap movie and Paramount picked it up and they're like, yeah, no one's going to go see Jessica. We're going to put and and no, it's a horror movie. So we'll yeah. just put Let's Scare and to death. And there you go. They gave it a wider release. But I, yeah, the screen factor, I was like, oh, I can finally check this one out. Like, cause I don't think it, I don't know, was it streaming anywhere that was like super visible or something like that? But I think after forever, it was finally streaming on Shudder. Of and course, I, that's where it would be. Yeah. Thank God. I was like, yes, it's going to get more visibility because like nobody had watched that movie. 
And then I found out that Screen Factory was doing like the nice Blu-ray and I had mm-hmm. that pre-order. Obviously. Gotcha. Yep. <laughs> so I was, I was prepared for this. Yeah. I love, so this movie hits me in like the same way that I love Carnival of Souls, the original Carnival of yeah. Souls. Like this, this movie is just moody. It's quiet it's weird it's not up front telling you everything you just kind of sit back and it creeps into you like so if you if you dig the original carnival of souls this is your next this is like the spiritual sequel i i feel almost definitely to it. yeah because it's got the it's just it's just good just slow burn horror mm-hmm. and it's just so creepy yeah it really is it's because you don't and there's a lot of uh, stuff, like there's a lot of stuff that was probably okay at the time, mm-hmm. uh, that w- kind of weirds you out now. Like there's some hippie culture stuff hung over into this movie, because they, they, I think one of the things you're trying to, oh look at I'm driving a hearse, hippies is like, yeah, it's fine, like, it's a, a hearse, it's whatever. <laughs> Like I've seen people do weirder things. Right, yeah. Weird yeah. So but it's it's when they go to this house that they're gonna there's a couple, it's Jessica and her husband. Is he? Yeah, yeah. and and their friend. Mm-hmm. And they're gonna go move into this this country house mm-hmm. to get away from the city and all that. And when they get in there, there's a woman in there, it's like a squatter. And yeah. like, oh no, no, just stay. We're we're cool. I'm like, who in the fuck would nobody no, but I don't even know back then they'd be cool with that. Like, and then she's just kind of freaked, a little like apprehensive about it, and the guys are like, "Oh, this is, I'm, what logic? What logic is happening here?" Um, that makes me, from a horror aspect, that makes me really uncomfortable. Yeah, just that in general. This this <laughs> woman who probably smells like Columbo is like here in our house. Stay, have. Squat on us. We got food. We got like, I would have been like, what the hell are you doing? Like, I'd be like, okay, that's nice. But we live, we live here now. So someone got the house Bye. off. Yeah. Just, it's really weird that they're just like, but that's, I think hippie culture. And I think this movie in one of like, from my research back drafts, drafts, drafts of the script. Cause it was something else to begin with. It was a comedy. And I think it was like a, you know, death to hippie culture type parody type thing and i think a lot of that got left in there somewhere around like different hands touch it becomes a vampire story which it never was yes folks this is a vampire movie if you haven't watched it it doesn't tell you that you don't kind of understand that very much right away or even if i could i think you get it when you see it but um that's what i love about it it's like this like stealth vampire movie Exactly, because you don't you don't think it's gonna be a vampire movie. Um because you're like, Oh, this could go several different ways and mm-hmm. it's like, oh, well, this is a vampire movie. Yeah. Yeah, and uh we talked like so up front, like just to get the Carmilla stuff out there, like I just recently revisited uh The Vampire Lovers, which is a hammer film from geez, around this same damn time. Like uh with uh, which is uh, Carmilla's story has been like adapted a ton, but uh, Ingrid Pitt is the Carmilla character in that. Uh, she's, Emily in this is the Carmilla character, but um, it's basically the story of Carmilla is a woman 
who is like a vampire and infiltrates like a family and sleeps with all of them and stuff and turns people into vampires and stuff. She's been around for hundreds of years and she people don't know that and she seduces all the people around. And Hammer, it was her breakthrough in uh, like queer lesbian horror because there was yeah. a lot of stuff with that in there. And um, I actually really like that movie because while there's some exploitative nature to it, it's pretty delicate and gets it across like as it treats it seriously. I think in my mind and when I watch it, I mm-hmm. think it actually treats it seriously, even though there is some arousal to it. But the arousal is for the boys and the girls, you know, it's not point in a one. So uh, but this very much follows that. Um, yeah. With because Je- I think she's even kind of after Jessica too. She has to get through some barriers first, but I think she kind of is into that as well. But um, but that's where it comes from. The movie has no credit. I don't think that says that. Did it? I don't. I, I, don't, I, I don't meant to pay attention. It does I don't think it does. Yeah. I think it's just implied that you know what that might have been an influence, or we maybe accidentally told the story because everybody has the same stories in their brain. They just have to pop out here and there. So. It's like we came completely full circle all the way back to Carmilla. Right. How familiar are you with Carmilla, the story? Pretty familiar because it's like every time there are so many adaptations of Carmilla out there that you will watch a vampire movie and not realize it is an adaptation of Carmilla. <laughs> you're sitting there at the end watching the credits or you're watching the credits at the beginning and they're like, this is an adaptation of Carmel, and you're like, oh, because there's like Crypt as a Vampire, and mm-hmm. I want to think the Velvet Vampire is also an adaptation of Carmela. There's so <laughs> there, I was thinking about that the other day, actually. That there's just yeah. and Ingrid Pitt's considered the iconic Carmela yeah. with her breakout role, but yeah, like yeah, there's so much like I like isn't there like it's like Dracula and then Carmela in terms of like literature, like Gothic literature. I'm sure. If we want to be fair and not be like rubbing on the classics so much, like there's some Anne Rice vampire, like Lestat or whatever, would probably be yeah. a well known vampire, probably more than Carmilla now. Even though I think the problem with Carmilla is people don't realize they're watching Carmilla because there's so <laughs> many and everybody wants change your name, yeah, their own version of it. They want to play with it and then they just get lost in their own ideas there, and it's like. This could or could not be a Carmilla adaptation. We don't right. know anymore. <laughs> right. Yeah. So much. Yeah. And this one, this is a good one. Like it's, it's really weird. Um, cause you get, I think with this one, you, you're not necessarily sure it's cause it's not outright about the Carmilla stuff, the supernatural element to it till later. It's like, maybe there's something, or there's something weird going on, but I think this this woman's just who knows, and you're more pissy about the relationship dramas before you yeah. get up, before you get worried about the supernatural dramas. Because at first you think, oh, this is gonna be like a psychological horror movie, not a straight up uh, supernatural horror movie, and then it hits kind of like the mid mark, and you're starting like, hey, something's not right here, and it's not mm-hmm. just her stupid husband right right yeah <laughs> the, the, the 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 not to make fun of a of a bald guy i've got kind of a spot in the back of my head but like i'm like is this guy this this is like these like whoo this sucks i'm gonna rack this marriage for this guy like 
All right. All right. Okay. But she didn't like the friend with the mustache who's into her, but he's kind of like the, well, you kind of have to because there's just us now and they're together. So yeah. yeah. Right. You owe it to me, woman. Right. Like, and he's just there. And I just, I never know how to feel about him because he just feels like he's just one of those people that kind of invited himself. Right. They could have made him like a brother or something, you know? Yeah. Like, like it, he's like the friend that nobody knows what to what to do with, right? And he just kind of invited himself, and then they're just you know, I guess we'll let him go. Question mark. Well, he's like, I'm gonna help them with uh, getting the farm up and stuff, and then I'm I'm find my way out of here. It's like okay, <laughs> yeah. Cool. Five but, years later, your ass is still there, right? Yeah. And the- yeah. They're still. <laughs> They're starting a family. He's bitching about like, can we get cable or what? It's like, dude, we are no, yeah, I yeah, I don't. He does help, uh, like he is doing help, but like with his his stuff toward Emily, I'm just kind of like, oh, dude, no, like he's just trying to get in her pants. Yeah, he's he- like, well, it's, it's almost like he thinks like she owes it to him, or like we should because we're just here. It's like, all right, man. It's like we get it. You're bored, but consent, dude. <laughs> mm-hmm. He's like, well, yeah, but yeah, they oh, they also have the weird. Uh, there's a jumping around here because that's what we do. The uh, the bathing scene in the lake, the group yes. bath, hippie culture, I guess. Uh, like, oh, okay, water doesn't work in the house, and we're just jumping in the lake and scrubbing it up, dub everybody. Yeah, yeah, just because. Uh, it, because that's completely normal, and I guess it might have been in places mm-hmm. in '71. But like the thought of that now, considering how much water pollution there is in the world, <laughs> right? That, just, that also makes my skin crawl. Right? Maybe the bubbles wouldn't soap. Is the pollution there? It's like what is it? <laughs> it tingles. Then it, then it just turns into like a biological. Uh, disaster horror movie there you go yeah they mutate (laughs) they mutate uh but anyway no there's good stuff with the movie we're talking about some of the weird um one of the things that kind of takes you off in a different direction than vampires early on is when emily uh is with them at dinner and she wants to have like a seance and you're like oh is this gonna be ghosts and stuff well kind of kind of but not um because contacting the dead and stuff and they have a really nice uh eerie stage uh little seance uh, sequence and I, there's a line <laughs> cracked me up the uh, nothing's ever really dead and then the friend goes right I even hear the twist is coming back like, oh. Oh my God. <laughs> that classic tune the twist was like 10 years old then probably but no it was like older than that but ha 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 so uh, but they have that seance and also it's like a back to back with the dinner scene and they yeah. start when they play music in the dinner scene, and I really love the way the audio is edited during that. Yes. That gets like almost like underwatery and weird, and it's they really from a sound design. I think we're always in the place of Jessica in the movie because mm-hmm. her mind's just wishy washy going around, and uh, yeah, that I love the way that plays out. Like it starts all normal, and then just I think he hits a note. It's like. It's weird. I just, and I love that, just the whole beginning parts with that stuff too, because 
you just get to see Jessica move through the motions and you, you hear her intrusive thoughts Yeah, the whole time. Like those like lovely little weird thoughts that she is having that are just indicative of people that, you know, are happens to just people that are mentally ill. (laughs) Just having the weird intrusive thoughts, like it's blood, Jessica. And you're just, yeah, let's talk about her because she's the titular character and she's a really it's a it's a interesting character, but it's also a more interesting performance. Like it's it's perfect, I would say, because I don't know if it's like I don't know if it's something like the actor isn't like I, I feel like I don't want to say she's bad, but I feel like she stumbled into being good, like a great, like great for this. Even though, like I can't tell if it's the person uncomfortable in the role or if they're just really good at the role. Like I can't, it's a weird, you just, you don't know. And yeah. it's like, it works. It does. Like you won't <laughs> see anything like this in another movie with this kind of performance. Like I think it probably nails it with her mental trauma, her, uh, the way she is. And she's an unreliable narrator apparently, or we're led to believe she could be. And just, the way her face seems like she's putting on a face for everyone else while not agreeing up here and you can just see it on her is unbelievable. Like, I don't think some of the best actors we have today could pull it off as <laughs> yeah. genuine. Like, Because even when I was very young, I was like, oh my God, like she's really nailing just that I'm awkward, I'm uncomfortable, I'm nervous. Right, right. It's... It's if it's fascinating, like what, like her, yeah. I've never seen her in anything else, but I mean, you grab these like localized people in a movie for one, it starts feeling a bit more real, and two, like just it's it's stunning just to see because someone like that in a big studio movie for that role probably wouldn't even been seen for it, you know, probably wouldn't even been, dear agent, could you? I want to be a part of that picture, like. Oh, I, I'm not even going to make that call, ma'am. Yeah. Like that's, and it's crazy. Cause like now she's on celluloid for history yeah. to just for everyone to discover like, whoa, this is really like, you can't watch this movie and not come away thinking like, how's a interesting performance? Like, and it's not in a bad way. It's just like, holy crap, this is, it's hard to describe, but I would describe it as like genuine lifelike grounded in a weird, weird way that helps me believe all of it yeah because she just there's just something about zora lampert and Mm -hmm. it it's just she just draws you in and she she makes it so easy to watch her too um but also i would say just her reactions and how she takes in information on screen also just kind of makes you hate her husband a little bit oh yeah oh yeah and i feel like once (laughs) Once she, once the Emily girl shows up and they have the dinner, I feel like anytime she smiles in the movie after that, it's like never a real smile. Like never, uh, yeah. It never like quite reaches her eyes. She's just Mm -hmm. like. (laughs) She's fighting herself because she doesn't trust herself. Like herself has all the right instincts about this. If the vampirism and all that stuff is, is true, she is constantly fighting herself in every scene with every person, with every decision, 
biting it like oh yeah i want emily to come along and stay yeah and like there's a line towards the beginning i actually wrote this down where she's where she first sees her in the house and she's like Mm -hmm. don't tell them they're not gonna believe you and it it really makes you wonder what happened beforehand Mm -hmm. her to be institutionalized right and it makes you think that there was probably a long period where she was probably severely experiencing mental illness. And her husband was like, oh, you're fine. Till he couldn't ignore it. Mm. There's just I feel like there's just a lot of context clues there that you really just kind of have to sit down and think about after you watch it. Because there's so many just details there that either they're inferred or just the lack of that detail really bothers me and like has me wondering well, what we can, went on. We can draw her. I think it. we can draw yeah. her uncle. Like her husband is definitely not the right guy to be with her in this situation because I don't know if getting her away from the city is the right decision, but he's brought his friend too, which clearly means he can't handle this on his own. And mm-hmm. You know, it's like, hey, well, yeah, because like she, she didn't bring a friend. Like, I don't know, if she has friends or stuff, but like, he clearly just thinks running away is possibly the best, and is constantly reminding her of her troubles to show to constantly put himself in power over her, and definitely not the guy to have with her in this situation. It's an interesting dichotomy, but it's one that makes me mad as hell. <laughs> but that's that's the that's the reaction you're supposed to have when watching it too. Like it's the movie working. Like that's uh, the, because he does just such, and he feeds into that self doubt. Oh yeah, I just so ugh. he can win every argument. Yeah, that's what he knows. He has a power, and then I think he likes to have her around because. I, he's probably not interesting to anybody else, and he probably, you know, and then the first chance sight he gets of someone showing, a woman showing him some interest, he jumps in. Like, he, there's no hesitation. Like he's, and, I, and I think she really does love him, because it seems like so much of her acting normal is to preserve his feelings. True, and it's probably he's probably also her constant. Like that's what she's had before her problems, during her problems, and now after her problems is that's the one thing. Because who knows who she maybe have had upset and doesn't want to be around, or people that feared helping or feared who she was and didn't want to be a part of the process to heal her. But I don't know, and who knows what went on, what it was. Um, and- just that line of questioning is, is unsettling too, because I always was like, where is her family? Mm-hmm. And I always wondered if he didn't have a part, maybe isolating her from other people too. Maybe it wasn't just her being mentally ill, that it could have been him perpetrating that kind of dynamic too. So it's like, oh, if I have you all to myself, I can control the situation and you right. better. Yeah, she she's got yeah, she's got problems all over. She's got her mental uh, mental uh, uh, challenges and him and a vampire that's around the lawn. Like it's not a that's not. not it's like a very extreme version of just real life when everything starts compounding. Like mm-hmm. when you're just 
just in the when you're in the middle of a mental breakdown and then just something weird happens like right maybe something inconsequential but it's like your your air goes out or something breaks and something and you're just like oh god now i have to deal with uh now i have to deal with this depression and right. doing this and getting up and doing a nine to five just you know it just everything snowballs and this just feels like the more extreme supernatural version of that true true. like everything just like moving into a new house is stressful enough which i did that in the last year and it's like i won't lie i sat and cried a little bit because i'm exhausted so i can imagine you know she spends six months in the asylum in the institution she gets out and like two weeks later he has moved her yeah all they moved in was a hearse too all your stuff in a hearse and into this shoddy shoddy place that that house is still standing by the way is it in in disrepair i mean from what i last read it it's still standing but it's in it's in disrepair and it can it it, it was shot in the pennsylvania I think so. I think, or something, yeah. But it's, it's still there. Oh, interesting. Interesting. Take a field trip to go see it sometime. We're gonna go see, we're gonna go see the house and we're gonna go see the vampires and everybody's just gonna gaslight everybody for fun. There you go. Yes, yes. <laughs> yes. A, a gaslighting classic, this movie. It's, it really it this movie walked so the 2020 Invisible Man could run. There you go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's because you have your you have your mentally a uh, woman in mental unrest, and the awful partner who is not doing anything but exacerbating. Right. It. Somebody <laughs> with some some younger viewer with today's sensibilities and haven't seen like stuff today would probably watch this movie thinking, okay, there's a supernatural thing with this woman. There's probably going to be something revealed about the husband, right? Like he's going to yeah. have some devious thing. And there's nothing. He's just, he's yeah. just, a he's just an asshole. Jackass. Yeah. That's pretty much, I mean, that's that's it. There's no secret reveal on him or or oh. anything else. But, you know, the, the secret reveal that they do have, though, is they're, they go to this house and they're like, you know, we're going to sell the shit that's in there. Why not? You know, like, <laughs> all right, cool. And they find photograph they find these old photographs and there's like a family in them and one of them looks like emily the squatter that they've been letting stay around the house and stuff and this house has been in this one family for years and years and they're the first owners that aren't that family because i believe everyone has passed but she resembles that picture and i i don't know who's gonna buy like an old photo like all right here's a photo of people like you want but apparently people do that is actually Mm. i think a pretty popular thing that people okay collect and i was like huh that's but it i was like i think i would feel personally odd because it's not my family okay yeah yeah that's yeah if it were my family i would keep it but i wouldn't know what to do with somebody else's family's picture i mean i don't know gotcha (laughs) i guess it could be decor for a place like a like i don't know so the right kind of the right kind of like place could use as decor, like some sort of yeah. like vintage like, house that got spruced up or refurbished and for touring or whatever. I don't maybe. 
I mean, back behind me right here mm-hmm. is my uh, deceased great aunt. Okay. Gotcha. <laughs> but, Fair enough. Um, that was one of my grandmother's like greatest, big, most prized possession because that was her sister. And I was like, no, no, I, I'm, I'm keeping her. I take it. I take it. I'll take it. I'll keep it for grandma. That's pretty much uh, that. What was my uh, thought process? But if I had come into the attic and saw that in somebody else's house, my first thought would not be oh. sell it. <laughs> Story time with Brandon here. I wish that had been found in like my grandparents. How they weren't, they hadn't passed, they, they weren't dead. They were moving to a retirement community and like my parents or whatever, they were moving stuff and they found a closet. And in the closet was a box. They opened the box. Do you know what they found in there? Oh, God, there's no telling. Polaroids, like old Polaroids, like uh, of bodies and caskets. Like, that's why do they have these? What are they doing with them? Nobody asked. There's like, we just take it, just move it. (laughs) Somebody keep, like, what, what is that? Like, who needs a picture of that? Like, why is it? And it was like, it was a stash. Like, so I don't know what it was. It's like my dead body picture stash. (laughs) Yeah. But we just have that lying around. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what it was. They were like black and white Polaroids, too. How so they were like very. So they might have got them from. They might have been like inherited to them or something. Because who knows? It was just. I didn't see them. I was told about this. Because they were like. They call, I think I believe I lived out of town at the time. And my parents called Thank like. You were, my parents like. Guess what we found at your grandparents' house? I was like, "What?" And they're like, "I was like, oh, that's it's weird. It's like the, they weren't like the coolest people, but like the, it's it weirds me out. But I'm like, that's like maybe the coolest aspect there was. Hmm, I don't know. These are people that the only back in the VHS tape they owned two VHS tapes. One was The Sound of Music. The other was like Return to Grizzly Mountain, starring Dan Haggerty. That was. Their- <laughs> So if you could tell something about somebody from a VHS or a movie collection, which I always think is a fun thing to do, like what do they own? Yeah, that was what that was. My grandparents tell was that, and if you went in their closet, there were casket corpses, <laughs> just dead, just dead people. That you know, Damn. fun stuff. So that's been a little bit uh, insight on me for my listeners today. So there you go. You have a nice old classic photo of of great aunt or whatever. I have grandparents with casket photos. <laughs> just how Victorian of them. <laughs> just I don't know. I don't know. But yeah, so there's not a casket photo here. It's just a family photo. Uh, it's the creepy moment where you're like, ooh, something's up with her. Is it the same girl? Is yeah. it? And does that inform Jessica's mind, the similarity? Does it... Is that where things spin? Because it's not until then that we start getting more vampire stuff. So does that create it in her head or is it actually happening? That's what I think they want us to know. Even though, I don't know, the movie's ambiguous, but was it made with ambiguous intent? Well, I think it was, but it's really, I don't know. I think most people would buy it when they see this movie. They'd take surface level. They wouldn't think more that it might be clouding her mind, but I don't know. There are some scenes that don't 
come from her perspective, but they could be what she's thinking is going on. Who knows? Because it's just there's so many angles you can take with this this kind of film, and that mm-hmm. that's what I like about it. Yeah, there's no fangs. There's no she'll meet with people, and then you can see like a slit down their yeah. uh, neck, cheek, jack jawbone area area okay. area. <laughs> And then there's the girl with that's mute with the uh, mm. bandage around her neck too. Yep. That is like the only other woman I can think of in the movies outside of right. Emily and Jessica. And uh, it just almost seems like that's the only hope she has for a second of understanding this. Yeah, this that girl it makes you think you're going to find the truth, and you really. Yeah. There is no truth to her. And she's like somebody that isn't believed to exist at all, but someone else does run into her. There's that. just this movie is so full of red herrings. Yeah. It because is. I feel like it's intentional because it subverts so up to that point in horror subverts so many of the tropes that mm-hmm. we have come to know, really. Yeah. And there's there's a theory too. I mean, you could put that that something was up with the townspeople maybe took care of that family and their own type of thing and that's they're coming back to exact revenge on them kind of cuz like it's every time you see the the guys in town, the old guys there's always like this creepy vibe and they're always mean and uh they get creepier because they're turning into vampires later. But um I do I did get a kick I do get a kick out of the part where her husband's getting picked on by them at the car. They're like, ha, ha, like the old senior citizen guys are like picking on the guy. It's, it's and he deserves and he, he deserves, deserves it. Oh yeah, his ass deserves it for sure. He deserves worse. <laughs> right. He, he deserves what he gets in the end. Yeah. Uh but yeah, like it, it's real creepy and there's some I don't there's some sensual couple scenes with stuff with the vampire seduction. Um and of course, um, there's the big you know finale where the dead body's found, her boyfriend's got this, the friend dies, and then there oh, there is a couple scenes early where they she sees something in the lake, at the bottom of the lake. Yeah. It's really creepy. The water gives me the vibes. Have you ever seen Solaris, the original one, the Tarkovsky? No. Tarkovsky. Oh gosh. It's I love that film to death. And there has these creepy like water scenes I, I don't think they're meant to be creepy they just unsettle me there's like it's it's like a look of water and there's like seaweed just flowing like really casually calm and it it gets under my skin and this is the same thing looking at that body under the water in this to an extent let's be honest once water like reaches a certain depth it's scary mm-hmm. it's, just, it's just unsettling yeah like the, the the black water lakes of Crystal Lake in a lot of the Friday the 13th was just, I don't want to go in that. Like, no, no. It's just black water. Crystal Lake, where they don't investigate any murders that happen in the lake. They just fucking they just let it go. You know what? It's fine. It's fine. Yep. They're probably dead. It's okay. We're just going to write drowning. He chained, he chained the killer to the bottom of the lake. We'll just, we'll just let it go. How's that? How's that? Never He's, happened. I, I have yes, I have telekinetic powers, and my father fell under the dock and drowned. Like, we'll take your word for it. We don't need to dig up that body. So, uh, sounds like my hometown. <laughs> oh, <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, but yeah, like so. There's those creepy things, and then there's this. Like, if you want to see one of the creepiest things in movies, it's when the undead Jessica, not Jessica, 
Emily comes up from the water in the white dress <laughs> and just, just like nightmare fuel in daylight. In daylight. Yeah, and it's- I love daylight horror because it, it's just, there's just something so creepy about like something just absolutely terrifying happening. Sun's beating down because you're supposed to be safe. Mm-hmm. And then right. you're not. <laughs> right. That's the beauty of Midsommar. Like that. Yeah. That's all the bad stuff happens in the daylight almost. In like that movie. It, it completely subverts almost every expectation of what you know about horror because the sun beautiful sun's beating down there's all these bright colors beautiful scenery and then all this ton of horrifying just well it's probably out. because they didn't have the money to shoot a lot of night stuff too if i'm just thinking that now i'm like this probably cost saving measures but it turns out creepy as hell like could you could you imagine them trying to film that at night though with the cameras then it oh probably- yeah pick up anything super grainy and like yeah just then you're watching it back and you're like well damn i think you can see her that's film that will never get back yeah (laughs) that's five hundred dollars of the production budget damn it you can see the reflection of the crew in the water (laughs) that'd be oh my god I, i would i would love to have like an oral history of the making of this movie because i think I know Zora Lampert's still alive, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff. They, I mean, they had uh, the, the Shout Factory Blu-ray for it, had Kim Newman, who's a critic historian. He appears on a lot of the Hammer stuff, but this is his favorite horror movie, and he, he talks about it. Uh, there's a historian commentary, and I think the guy who did the score is on, on it. They didn't really have... I mean, sometimes it's all this in the budget, but it's not like... I know for a fact it's not like they don't go without trying on these to get people. So people yeah. might have just been like, "No, no, thank you. I'm past that." That that happens. Like they, they really do try. Um, and I know, I know some people who do the effect like these things. And I know like for like he knows you're alone. Like there's like there's no Tom Hanks interview, but they did try, and he was gonna do it. But then he got invited to speak at the Biden inauguration. So and it, they couldn't get it in their <laughs> deadline. So. He sadly, he sadly couldn't do it, but he was on board for it. Like they try, they ask these people. Like a lot of people got pissed about when the Sleepaway Camp Blu-rays came out. They're like, "Where's Pamela Springsteen?" Like they asked, she don't want to. Like, and you can't. We think it'd be fun to do that, but some for some people, it wasn't the best time of their lives. It wasn't something they want to talk about a lot. So it's not like, yeah, I'd like to know more about this one, but if if it distresses people to yeah. bring it up again, then I, I get it. It's fine. Same here. Same here. But they, have, yeah. they did have the score guy and the score is like, it is a, it's sensory. It's like, it sounds like someone's doing their first score, but it also like, cause it's like, I just got this keyboard and I'm beep, 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 <laughs> beep, 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 but it works. Like it really, it's off. It sets you off tone. There's some weird, just there to get a reaction out of you sounds. I actually wrote a note down about the score. Okay. <laughs> I was writing it. I was like, you know, that it's just, it's discordant. Yeah. Like, it's like some really intentional discord hit in there because it'll just start going and in there. They hit a note that's just slightly off. Mm-hmm. And that just almost just kind of represents the entire movie. Like, there's always something just a little off. Right. Right. Yeah. And 
it's like it doesn't perfectly come come together for you or for Jessica. So I, it fits thematically. It really does. No, it's it's. Per- I wouldn't have it any other way. And I love these old score. Like probably trashed back when it came out, but now we're like, oh, art. Like you know, like it, nobody <laughs> imagined that we would be like deep diving in this film. Like oh my gosh, this is there's so much to say about when there was when they made it. They just didn't have money like they did but then there's an appreciation for that and then and i wish they made films like this nowadays or that look like this you know mm-hmm. like it's yeah so we get a lot of flat digital movies nowadays and that's nothing i mean not against like low budget you gotta make your movie you make your movie but i'm just like visually appealing when people had to use film and you had to know how to use a camera and you had to know like there's a there's an appeal to that yeah there's a there's an art there mm-hmm. that that we don't see a lot of. And I just feel like the 70s has just its own look and Mm -hmm. feel when it comes to film just across the board. Because um, when I think of like my favorite ones from like that time period, because you have uh, Let's Scare Jessica to Death and then you have Don't Look Now and then you have Black Christmas and they all just have this very distinct what you just know it's the 70s right well i you know what's funny too like i uh i recently i re- i watched uh the texas chainsaw massacre a movie i watch a lot anyway um i showed it to my my son for the first time he'd never seen it and i know people are like oh my god you showed him that you saw i'm like dude you do not see anything in that movie that's like the beauty of it like the title sounds more horrendous than it is and the violence in it isn't as bad. It's the nuttiness. But I'm like, I watched that film. I'm like, this is one of the best like shot movies like ever. Like not just horror, not just, just for beautiful. low budget, like ever, ever, ever. Like just the way they capture the the actual like natural light. Yeah, scenes is like unparalleled. You can hold that movie up to like Kubrick. Like it's yeah. that good. Like that's that's where. That's how good that like Daniel Pearl shot that thing. Like it and it's astounding because it came from no money at all and they were able to pull off stuff like that. But yeah, stuff like this, this has some beautiful shots in it. It knows how to capture the scale and stuff of the house and make you really feel like uneasy whenever they're in that house. Like you feel like something's gonna happen in that house and not a lot happens in that house. Like but you you're uneasy whenever you're in the house. You're only kind of comfortable like out in the woods uh, where stuff does happen. And then, oh, the I have my notes. The one person I think we see Jessica like genuinely happy with and honest is the pawn or the uh, antiques dealer guy. Yeah. She is loving that dude up. Like she eats up his stories, his demeanor, talking to him about stuff. And he's the one who brings up the vampire stuff but like she is at her happiest i think when she's around this guy because i think it's a taste because he's from the city and it's a taste of that city that she got taken away from and now she feels comfortable and at home here where it's been a mystery out there at the farmhouse and it's it's just it's a not it's a nice scene because Mm -hmm. you just you get in a good way you get really worn out and you get really tired and you're like Somebody please help this woman. You just right. feel so deeply. It's like you don't want anything bad to happen to her. You're you like, don't want her to be scared to death. Please take care of her. Some, let something good right. happen. And 
Spoiler alert, it doesn't. <laughs> yeah. And you know, it's funny, like, the the title of the movie, Let's Scare Jessica, it's, it infers something more exploitative, more big yeah. moment jumpy, and, it, and popping it in, it's this moody... Uh, character piece about mental illness and vampires yeah. and and it's like slow it, I don't really say slow movie it's not a long movie and it yeah. certainly moves at a pretty good pace but some of that's like relationship drama too that's in there before horror and it's just yeah the title like suggests something of like killer in the woods like and not like what would be comparable to like, you know, something that Neon would be distributing or right. or would be distributing. Right. No, this is exactly what they're doing. Yeah. <laughs> it's this like, is, yeah, because all of those like niche like brands and stuff that are not so niche anymore now mm-hmm. would be. Would yeah. Be secrets dist- out. They make yeah, good movies. Would be distributing stuff like this today um and then you have that title and i have th- i've thought about that title ever since i watched it because i was like the dissonance mm-hmm. is hilarious right yeah yeah the, because you get like this pretty cerebral film and then there's that title that you're just like huh <laughs> yep boo like that's the the title but um yeah uh the, the finale is big like vampires are everywhere honing in it's pandemonium uh and then she ends up killing her husband with a big hook while she's on her boat to escape all the vampires while they just sit in the woods watching her and the chills there that that just the shot of all them there on that bank Mm -hmm. watching her and she's just out there on that lake and then there's the the light and the the mist and the fog just gorgeous mm-hmm. but it's horrifying right text mm-hmm. um and i just that's one of my favorite just just shots from a film period yeah it's oh it's so creepy it's so good yeah um and i just it just shows that you don't have to always do something hugely just bombastic in horror mm-hmm. and effectively be very quiet and still have the impact that it just kind of goes with what you're doing with it and that just went perfectly with that film i could not imagine them doing anything else with it at the end because it just fits Mm -hmm. it's just it blow it blew my mind like 14 years ago it blows my mind now because it's just beautiful yeah and if you and like I, I compared it to Carnival of Souls, and if you were to go that way about it, then it would be a in her brain thing. And when the creatures all convene at her at once and then disperse, it's because she's realized what she was clouding uh-huh. and is now back into reality that is Twilight Zone-esque. But I don't know. I like vampires. I want it to be vampires. So Me, me too. It's like I don't... Here's the thing. It's like, I don't, I want her to be right about this. Mm -hmm. I want her to be right about this so bad. And I think that it's because personally, I really relate to Jessica. Yeah. Um, 
because I first watched this at a time in my life where I, I was having a pretty difficult time at school and stuff. And I was very much, you know, struggling with my own perception of events that was happening because um, I knew what was happening, but everybody would be like, well, you know what? You're just, you're just crazy. You're just experiencing this different. They're not bullying you. Mm, yeah, the kind of thing where it's like the administration's even in on it kind of thing so i'm sitting there watching this as a kid and i'm like good god yeah why is this like holding a mirror up to how i feel because she's sitting there on the lake like you know i there it's like i have to believe it's true i i saw it it happened yeah how else can i process this so it was it was kind of an interesting time to find that movie, and I've written about that before um, for Certified Forgotten. Okay, I'll, I'll name drop them. I wrote about um, Let's Scare Jessica to Death, and you know, watching that for the first time, and how it's just I've kind of kind of fell in love with just that kind of niche genre of the the woman that no one believes in the movie, Rosemary's Baby. Oh God! It's the it's a big one in that canon. Watch that that as a teenager too, and Mm. it it still creeps me out. And like one thing that really gets me about that still to this day is the fact that the neighbors are the cast of us are so in her business over Mm -hmm. this baby, and I hate it. I don't hate it. I don't hate the movie, but I hate that aspect because it makes me so damn uncomfortable. I'm like, get away from her. It's like I don't like people that i am acquaintances with in my business like i don't want you her business so you know i just kind of have a affection for movies like that i have an affection for characters like that because i think it really does mirror a part of life that we don't talk enough about because this stuff happens yeah um, at least that part where you see people who struggle with their own perceptions of reality perceptions of you know themselves um mental illness and i'm like and i'm like that's just surviving with mental illness and one thing that i know that i find also relatable is that at the very beginning she's worried about you know just kind of sliding back into like a bad about because mm-hmm. they never really name what's wrong with her. So right. it could anything like, I think anybody that struggles with mental illness has that, that kind of fear when you're going through a really good period that things are going to get bad again. Right. You're always can, never, you're never fully comfortable. You got to leave that door because you know, you've been there and yeah. Yeah. And I, but and, life also never, you know, this is, you know, Mm-hmm. And even more so as an adult watching it, I'm like, I really get that because you're like, oh, things are going too well. It's like, when's that depression going to crop up? Right. When's anxiety going to hit? I always um, have that when things are going good. I'm always like, okay, well, this is going to crap. What's going to, what's going to fuck all this up? What's going to happen? And mm-hmm. it's just, it's, and that's just because everything, it just seems like cycles through. Yeah. And when it's bad, you're like, I know it can't last forever, but it can last for a long time. Yeah. And who knows? Like, and some people can't. I mean, I'm. I feel fortunate that I can get through things, but I know there are people who can't. Like, 
their struggles worse than mine and like i've it i don't know what that's like but i have compassion for it but yeah definitely because you know it's it's scary it's scary it's scary on any level because you know dealing with that stuff firsthand myself it's like i don't wish that on anybody i don't wish it's like there you know how people are like i don't wish that on my worst enemy it's like no i wouldn't i wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy because you just depends on who your worst enemy is you come (laughs) some people might wish on I mean, there are some people out there that they're, they're not, they're not great. They're not great, but you know, everybody's got their own, their own cross to bear, their own problems there. And I just, man, like when I rewatched this, like as an like 26 year old, like Mm -hmm. living on my own for the first time, you know, figuring stuff out. Oh, that. (laughs) It hit me. It hit me really hard there because like I was experiencing where I would go in and out of like depressive episodes and panic attacks. And like for a little bit, it would be okay. And then it was definitely not okay. Um, And I had a lot of that happen last year too, because, you know, it's like 2020 happened and then 2021 decided it was going to top that. Yeah. For everybody. So I find it a very relatable film. Um, and, you know, I think that there's something to be said because some people will be like, oh, old films are bad. Older films are bad. And I'm like, you know, you, you don't know what's going to speak to people and you don't know what certain people need at what time. Well, all, so- it, all it takes is one to unlock your love for it all. Like that's. Like I'm, I'm still waiting for that anime film I watched that like makes me get it, and I go through, and I'm like, yeah, hell yeah! Why didn't I see anime like this before? I'm always open minded to that. Like it's one of my weak, my weaker points in my film uh, entertainment appreciation is I just, I do have ones I do like. There are some and stuff, but as a whole, it's a thing. It's not an easy one for me, but I'm always trying, and I will not knock people's genre loves and stuff like that for it. But like, yeah, an old movie. You could watch one and it could unlock just a dive into similar stuff, finding new stuff, appreciating stuff you might not have before. Like, I, I yeah, like I, and I don't understand that because I've always been a person who loves all periods of film history. I always dug back. I always was, I went to the video store. I go back to the catalog section. I went just in the new release wall. I was picking up stuff. I heard of that one. That looks weird. I'll pick up that. I don't think kids do that nowadays or they like on Netflix pop. Oh, it's old five minutes. Move on. Like you had to, when you rented, it was a commitment. You, yeah. Damn you it. I'm watching to. that. I, I, I paid. I'm watching it. Don't watch the whole thing. Maybe people were like that before where they stopped a tape or something and didn't, but I, I wasn't. And I certainly love digging into film history. I wanted to know, I would watch things like, you know, let's, let's go easy. Star Wars. George Lucas is awesome. What what Star Wars? What where'd you get that? Oh, you know, I watch these you know Kira Kurosawa films. You know this old western, The Searchers. I'm like, well, I need to see The Searchers. I need to see The Hidden Fort. I need to watch this Kurosawa. And then Kurosawa, I'm like, this guy's awesome. What are all these? What are the you know? And you watch all those things, and you learn, and you like see where they come from. I and inspirations, and it's cool. And then you see movies that get made now, and you're like, nice little trick there. You got that from this. I like that. You know, like 
uh, last night in Soho. There's so much Italian horror in that damn thing, and it's not, and it's it's not necessarily like an Italian horror movie, but man, the stylistic choices on it, Malignant as well. Malignant is super super Fulci, super Fulci, but it's awesome. I appreciate that. Like and like, and if you see that and be like, that I really like that. Well, it was like this. Ooh, go check out that. Like. I, I just don't understand the lack of wanting to research old things. It seems to be a generational thing right now, but who knows? The I, I used to just not in English, don't want to watch it until I saw Run Lola Run, and then I dove into like what I like to watch things with subtitles. That was awesome. That was dumb, Brandon, when he was like, huh, I'm too good for that, but no. And you get past that. Like, I swear, I watched, I think I watched like 10. Mario Bava movies last year. <laughs> he is brilliant. He is a brilliant one. It is because I I had not really watched any of like the Italian gothic horror stuff mm-hmm. that anybody had done. And then I just kept kept watching. You see Kill and- Baby Kill? That one's awesome. Yes. And and it's such a the thing so is good. it's such a varied catalog too. Like someone like <laughs> Ar- Argento, it's like there there you, you get what he does. He does yeah. it really well, and sometimes he hops to different areas, but there's like a through line. Baba, like, here and here and here and here and here, and he did like a Hercules movie, and then he got, w- yeah. He wanted to try so many different things, and also just so many different kinds of horror, too, and I really mm-hmm. appreciate it, because what happened was I just kind of watched The Whip in the Body on a whim. Oh, okay. I, I like gothic horror a lot. And you know Christopher Lee. You're like, it's a friend of mine. I'm going to go check him out in this. I love Christopher Lee. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, so I watched that and I'm like, I loved it. And I know a lot of people don't like that one. And they're like, this is just pretty trash. I'm like, no. Pretty Hammer AIP era like trash is amazing. Like Exactly. exactly. If it's trash, it's my kind of trash. Baby. <laughs> I want it. Yep. Because I was like, I could draw a connect a a direct line from that to Crimson Peak. Boom! Yeah, yeah. Crimson Peak is in love with that stuff, and that's why I love Crimson. And when Crimson Peak came out, people were pissed. I'm like, oh, y- y'all never watched Hammer before, have you? Or like, <laughs> Crimson Peak is like a Carmilla esque era type thing to tie us. Yeah, still and- on topic. Here's the thing. We're get it's all it all is that kind of gothic horror. People don't understand it. Your shirt, it's, Rebecca, that fits with those. It's it's it way before them, it but it feeds into to what those are. Yeah, definitely, it, definitely. It does, and that's that's kind of my thing is picking like the weird, creepy gothic horror okay. stuff or stuff that's just completely mm-hmm. out there. There's there's no in between. <laughs> and I'm 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 happy to have this this episode as part of the catalog to talk about let's scare Jessica to death. That was uh, odd, like slipped my mind. Like that's like some one I'm like, Oh, I got, I like, I'd love to deep dive that one. And here we are, we've done it. So I'm, I'm so <laughs> glad that you were happy that mm-hmm. I picked that out because I was like, yes, yes. <laughs> you never yeah. know what people's reactions mm-hmm. are to some of these movies because you know, that's one that a lot of people still haven't seen and i'm like watch it please Mm -hmm. watch it scream and i'm a relative recent convert on it as well so yeah and it's like i don't it's and i know i'm probably i'm the outlier most most places for this because i just 
stumbled across it when mm-hmm. I was young. <laughs> and, okay. um, there's never a wrong time to watch something, though. Nope. Nope. And... <laughs> Heck yeah, there is there. You know, sometimes there is a wrong time, but you should make find a right time to watch that thing you watched at the wrong time sometime. And now I'm making time for weird wrong, things. There's a yeah. wrong time. Like sometimes, if I didn't like a movie, I'll go back and rewatch it. Oh, always. It could have been that yeah. day. Could have been if something. I was in a bad mood, because sometimes if I want to rewatch something and I know I like, I'll just be like, I can't enjoy that right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I've had days where I, I tell my I like. Uh, Tell my mom, I was like, I'm going to go see that this weekend. So, I'm about, you know, what time would be best for me to leave to go see that or whatever? And then I'll be like, oh, I'm not going to do that. Why not? I'm like, man, I'm not, I'm not in a good mood right now. I'm like, what? Really? I'm like, Mm-mm. movie might not put me in a good mood. Might I might be in a bad mood. Be like, well, I saw that. Sometimes, sometimes you have to mentally prepare, especially if it's a filmmaker who's stuff you know real well. You have to mentally prepare. Yeah, for it. I want to meet the film on the best terms we can meet at. Like, I don't want to just shove it in. I'm not a cram. Like, I can do cram sessions on some, like, research and things like that. I don't like to, but. Like, figuring out when to go watch Doctor Sleep where there would be the, like, opening day. Mm -hmm. I went in the middle of the day because I knew there'd be, like, maybe three other people in there. So, Mm -hmm. if I had to ball my eyes out and (laughs) There would not be that many people in there because right. I knew what I was getting myself into. So, you know, there's just some stuff that you have to, you got to, you got to do some logistics, check out your mood and mm-hmm. see see how you're doing. Because it's like, you'll sit down. It's like, I can't do something heavy. I have to watch something completely mindless right now. True. I get you. I get I'm, you. I'm the same way. I, I have to, you know, kind of check in with myself and be like, okay. Are you good? And it's like, I'm good. We can do this. So, and then there's some stuff that you kind of get a hangover from that. It was so good that like nothing else compares to it. And then you can't, but you can't really watch it again right off because it just devastated you that much. Well, I had a, I had a thing where I watched um, West Side Story and Belfast in the same day this year. And I was, I was, I was floored by West Side Story. I, I, I loved it. And then I watched Belfast, which is a pretty good movie, but I was just like, yeah, that's not West Side Story. And Belfast, one of the best shot movies of the year, but the cinematography wasn't as good as West Side Story. So I really felt bad for Belfast that day that I was like, yeah, I shouldn't have done that to Belfast, but... I know, that's uh, just... But it happens, so... I'm telling you, like... There was a period this fall that everything that came out after Midnight Mass, it was just like, that's not Midnight Mass. Oh, well, Midnight Mass, I waited. I was so busy in October that everybody's all watching it. What I'm like, I, I'm not going to, I don't want to cram this. I yeah. Don't, I want to watch one episode a day and get through it that way. Mm-hmm. And I did. And I loved it, and I'm glad I did it the way I did, rather than cram it. So there's because that's I have to space these. I have to space out mm-hmm. any Flanagan series because yeah. I, I have to take it in. Mm-hmm. I cannot. I can't watch it all in just one. Right. Because I. How do you expect me to watch seven episodes crying through? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. that's pretty much me. It's like. What else?
else. This is where we just talk about anything else we may have written, done, put out there in the world, or just read, watched, listened to, taken in, maybe rode a roller coaster you want to talk about. So, Jamie, what else? Oh, my God. Uh, the funniest story, though, about stuff that I have been reading in, like, the past year. I, last year, um, this was kind of like my anxiety depression, I think. Okay. I read 85 issues of Hellblazer. Oh, okay. <laughs> I would say you're hooked. Yeah, I read 85 issues of Hellblazer. And, man, I I was like, I'm in deep. Right. Uh, so I I did that, and right now I'm like in the ninth volume of all of that. I'm rereading The Haunting of Hill House because okay. I'm te- I'm teaching that in a class. All right. Um, because I was like, hey, you know what? The kids will like Hill House, spooky. <laughs> They're gonna love it. Spooky. And then yep. I'm reading a collection of short stories by Christine Makepeace right now. Okay. Um, the Sound of Breaking Glass. So I'm reading like three different things at the same time. All right. <laughs> so, that, you know, normal stuff. That's something I can't. I'm, I'm like a one book at a time person. Like I can't. I could watch like multiple TV shows or something at a time. But I can. Well, I can go. I can read a fiction book and then something nonfiction-y at the same time. But I can't. I stick with my story, I guess. But. I don't know. I don't know how I'm doing it right now. I don't because I'm usually. Well, I can't not, tell you. I can't do it myself. <laughs> I'm usually this. I'm usually the kind of person who doesn't do that. But I've been reading like Hill House when there's lulls at, at mm-hmm. work, um, and I've been reading uh, Christine's book uh, here. And then for some reason, I'm one of those people. I have read so much Hellblazer just soaking in the bathtub. There you go. <laughs> It's just, it's like, so if anybody has just wondered what I have done to keep myself sane over the past few weeks, but mostly also in the last year, just, just a lot of hell blazing. Just blazing some hell. Yeah. Just, you know, you're just sitting there wondering what the hell John Constantine's doing Mm -hmm. that day. And you, you go read it and you, you marvel at how a man can be so smart and so stupid at the same time. And you've got a you've got a movie you can watch and a, a season of television and multiple seasons of Legends of Tomorrow you can watch. I'm gonna tell you, I, we we <laughs> you know uh, I just I rewatched the movie because I mm-hmm. watched that at the tender age of like twelve. Okay, and I remember not being impressed mm-hmm. by it at twelve. I think I was less impressed by it as an adult. Gotcha. I started watching the television show, which I was not crazy about the writing, but Matt Ryan's portrayal of John Constantine, just I kept coming back for that because I was like, what is he putting in this performance? Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, and then I watched all the animated stuff because I was obsessed. Gotcha. Um, yeah. I, I did a I did a convention with him before he got carried over to Legends of Tomorrow before he started crossing over with the other CW stuff. Um, seemed like a cool guy. I didn't talk to him or anything, but his booth wasn't far from mine. Um, like, yeah. you were so close. <laughs> and now here. Like, yeah. I think it was, yeah. Wish you had an embarrassing story on him, too. Because, no, like, I don't. That was great. I was just like, I remember. You no, know, I was like, I've seen him in person. 
I was like, oh yeah, I have, I've seen him in person. So it's small. It's a small world. You it don't is. realize that till you're sitting here doing that. Right, but. right. My Willis isn't hell blazing, but uh, I recently I had to review the Blu-ray for it, so I took it in again. I had been a while. Uh, Hitchcock's Stage Fright. Have you seen that mm-hmm. one? I have not. I've not seen that one. This is one of his like considered lesser ones, but I think it's better than it's it's definitely like middle of the road hitchcock it's the one he did before strangers on a train and it's Mm -hmm. kind of in the middle of like a dud run like he did rope under capricorn which is mm, uh stage fright and then um strangers on a train which is great but um it's kind of got experimental stuff and i brought it up here because it also deals with an unreliable like it got yeah trash because it has a flashback that's not true and it's at the beginning of the movie and it sets up like how this thing is uh and he and he got dug at by a critics for it and he wasn't happy with himself about it when he saw the final picture he's like well there's nothing i can do he didn't like it editing but i think the weird thing is nowadays we're used to that like we had movies like the usual suspects and we also like Mr. Robot. That show was wholly unreliable narrator throughout. You didn't know what to trust. And I think we've had so many movies and things like that. I go back and I'm like, oh, that's what this got dogged about was the flashback. That I was like, I just took it like, well, he told the story. But like the difference, I guess, was him telling it, but them showing it happening as well. But I'm like, that's more exciting to watch than just him telling this like story that would the flashbacks like 15 minutes, 20 minutes long. It's like the first act, but um, I love stuff like that. Yeah. I love a good unreliable narrator. Um, but he's got like brilliant camp. Like I think he like because Rope is his one one take movie where it's all one take. And I think he's still flirting with technical stuff because there's like brilliant stuff. Like there's a scene where the, when the guy's telling the flashback, you see him and someone knocks at the door, and it goes. It follows him up here. And then as he goes to the steps, it pans down to his feet. You watch him go down to his feet and the steps. And he opens the door and you see the feet of a woman with a trench coat on. And she opens her trench coat and there's just a blood stain down her um, dress. And it pans up and we're introduced to her who's like this killer that we're told about in the, the thing. And I just thought like that was a great follow reveal. And then there's one where a woman's... She's changing clothes, like taking a coat off, but the scene's changing behind her, and they kind of do it rear projection, but it's very clean around her, so it's not, like, messy. It was really interesting. So I'm like, he's playing around here. He's doing interesting stuff, and it's a a pretty solid movie. It's not, like, top-flight Hitchcock, but I think it's a lot better than its reputation. Um, That's the thing. I think sometimes when people change, flip the script on stuff, no mm -hmm. one really knows how to... Right, yeah. Different is always like, oh, that was bad. That was bad. In hindsight, I think a lot of stuff will, even some of the stuff that we're seeing today is going to get like some really good reevaluation. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's always the, uh, it was good actually crowd. Like, um, and sometimes you're not there to be, you're like, oh, man, I w- now that we see things this way, oh, yeah, that is that is a fine movie. And then there's some people that are, you know, stick in the mud or whatever. Like, nah, it was never good. Oh, this is. But, you know, we we live off that. You know, the thing was trashed. Oh, yeah. Now yeah. now it's like Carpenter's, like, people consider it his best movie. Like, I don't because it's Halloween and there's no arguing that. But anyways, <laughs> some people consider uh, the thing, like, his greatest achievement. And that was trashed. Nobody went and saw it at the theater. 
Blade Runner, one of the greatest films of all time. Not no, in, not nineteen eighty two. I think about I think a lot about stuff stuff that was not well received when it when it came out. Like Black Christmas, nineteen seventy four right? wasn't Halloween wasn't until Ebert wrote a glowing review. All the other critics were hating it at the time. I just I just think it's funny like how people hate on like any subsequent black Christmas movies because I'm like, hey, you're just keeping up the legacy. Yeah, it's the legacy, yeah. It's the legacy. Like, but give it like 20 years and it's going to get reevaluated and people are going to change their tune. And they already are on the 2006 one from what I've seen. Oh, yeah, that's that. I, I recently revisited it. I didn't like it in the theater. Well, actually, I can't say I didn't enjoy it in the theater. I had a good laugh in the theater watching it because it's so. And then I watched it again. I'm like, you know, this is dumb. This I think this movie, it's like they knew it was dumb fun. I thought they were making something serious. I was off, but, you know, it, it's a comfort watch to go back to that i wasn't expecting like it's silly it's good it's a good silly um yeah it's like yeah it's that's the yeah legacy of black christmas is true and i was like i just was like all of them have just not been well received at all so Mm -hmm. and i my mind automatically goes there when people are like stuff getting reevaluated and i'm like now we hold the 1974 one on like it's a pedestal it's like mm-hmm. it's one of the great horror movies right yeah and i you know i'm a, i liked i liked prometheus from the jump back when that came out and like a lot of people like were hating on like little dinky de- dinky details and i'm like i think people actually thought this movie was going to solve the mystery of life and were disappointed when it was <laughs> just when a he- movie and and then there's like all this like oh prometheus is great da, da, da. i'm like it was fine back when it came out like I saw Jennifer's body in the theater. Oh yeah, that's a largely reevaluated one. I liked it from the beginning, so you know, I just, I just think it's fun to watch these trends and see how opinion and taste. Changes. I think Diablo Cody as a whole has had a bad rap because yeah. some, someone couldn't believe a woman would be into the things she's into, like that. Yeah. And like she, some of her stuff is absolutely wild mm-hmm. and. I think that she's going to get a big reevaluation at some point in her life. Oh yeah. yeah. I hope I hope soon because I've seen several people discuss her film Young Adult. It's a brilliant movie. That was robbed Oscar season that year. Oh my god. It's 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 immaculate and it's messy. And to go back to something we were talking about before all this Patrick Wilson's in it. Right? He's great. Oh, that's one of my favorite Patrick Wilsons. Yeah. Patrick Wilson everywhere. I once remember, like, people misunderstood. Like, I saw a, a person on, like, I got in a, back in the day, Facebook argument, because that, that was, like, a top five film of the year for me that year it came out. It was a bad movie. Don't watch it. So I'm like, what? I was like, I'm sorry, but what was so bad about it? And she seemed angry that she didn't wind up with Patrick Wilson in that movie. I'm like, so you wanted to see a marriage destroyed, left with a pregnant wife? Like, what were you wanting? Like the that what movie were you going to see? Like, I probably also like, would have wound up in a Facebook fight over young adult. I was so. like, what? Are you? I'm like, this is a great movie. Stop telling people not to watch. Like, I always wonder that thing where like, oh well, that rando over here said don't watch it, so we should. I'm like, you do you not make up your own mind. Like. I don't care. My friends who I 
agree with most of the time on movies can tell me like something trash, but I'm like, I might be the one outlier that's like, that was freaking awesome. I'm only taking it for myself. That's the thing. When I'm, t- when I tell people that something's trash, I'm like, it didn't work for me, but you, you know, I'm like, I might like it. I, I mean, don't go off my taste right. alone. I'm just one part. I am just one little woman out here. Mm-hmm. Who's not liking this. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's my opinion. Like, cool. Like if you, Oh, you liked it. I envy you because I would have loved to have liked yeah, it. It's like, I wish I could have, because that's the thing. I'm like, I don't go into movies wanting to not like them. Right. I hope I, I hope everything I go to I, see, I wind up thinking it's the greatest thing ever. Like, why wouldn't you, you know? I genuinely want to like everything I watch. Mm-hmm. And I, I can't, I just cannot. Right. <laughs> it's like, true, true. It's not for me. <laughs> yep. I mean, Halloween res- resurrections do get made. So, yep. uh, <laughs> but anyways, uh, we are off into crazy town, but Tully also, <laughs> Tully also was great. I like that one. So that'll do it for today. Jamie, thank you so much. This was another groovy conversation we've had here before we sign off, let people know what you have going on and where they can find you. Well, Not home I, address, but like internet address, find you. Please don't show up in my yard. But if you do, um, can you like trim my bushes? Because they're they're kind of crazy right now. And I don't feel like doing it because it's cold. But a, apart from, you know, slacking on yard work, I am always writing. And you can always find me on the internet um, as a talking head of that's just full of writerly anxiety um, on Twitter at J- Jamie A. Writes, and you can find me on Instagram at Jamie Alvey. Um, sadly, Jamie Alvey was taken on Twitter, and the person who has it um, should let me have that. <laughs> Are you a listener? Let her have it. Let me have it. <laughs> I want it. <laughs> have it. Awesome. And I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Brandon4KUHD. Written at work at whysoblue.com. There's more from the Brandon Peters Show this week, but until then, stay filmed positive thank you for listening the brandon peters show is a creative zombie studios production produced by brad shoemaker and brandon peters written and edited by brandon peters announcer vocals by jessica Osman. theme song by metavari web design and show art by brad shoemaker with brandon peters All music and clips featured in the episode are property of their respective studios and no infringement is intended. Additional information on this and other episodes at brandonpetersshow.com. For any inquiries, press opportunities, or sponsorship, contact mail at brandonpetersshow.com. The show is available on Apple Music, Spotify, or anywhere podcasts are found.